Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane and our final Cinderella story of this month. Though this one might be stretching it a little bit, this is a folktale from Java. This is Araman, a hero of Java. On the island of Java there once lived, long ago, a boy called Araman. Now Araman's mother was dead. It was his good old nurse, Sumar, who had brought him up. When he was a baby, Sumar wreathed his little brown body with jessamine flowers. She made him toy umbrellas of white tanjong blossoms. She played with him and loved him as tenderly as a mother. But one day, while Araman was still a lad, there was much noise of many people stirring in his father's house, and toward evening a grand procession came up to the door. There were men on hobby horses beating strange musical instruments, women with paper birds, flowers, and tall fans of peacock feathers, all accompanying a litter in which rode three flower-wreathed maidens. Last of all, on horseback, came Draman, Araman's father. "'It is a wedding procession, Sumar. What does it mean?' asked Araman. "'Ah, little cricket,' answered the nurse. "'It means that thy father has brought thee home a new mother. Up there she sits in the litter with her mates. Ma Qualone is her name.' Now Ma Qualon had not long taken her place in Draman's household before she began to show a great dislike for Araman. "'Tis a lazy lad of thine,' she would say to Draman. "'All day long he does nothing but eat and sleep. Fie for shame!' So Ma Qualon went on till Araman was shut out of his father's heart altogether." Araman must live with the servants. Araman must eat the scraps from his father's table. And when Araman did at last make his way to Draman, throw himself at his feet and beg that his love should return, Draman drove the boy with harsh words out of his presence. Sumar did what she could to comfort the lad. But at last, from all Ma Qualon did, Draman grew fearful lest Araman should do some deed so wicked as to bring shame upon him. So he determined to rid himself of the boy. One day, Araman wandered alone into the forest. A shower of white blossoms floated down from the Tanjong branches. Red and orange flowers dropped from the flame of the forest and lay like red embers on his path. But Araman, who loved the flowers so well, 
had no eyes for them today. He was thinking only how he had been shut out from his father's heart. So he sat himself down beneath the spreading branches of a giant waringin tree near a stream and wept. Soon, as he sat there, lo, he saw his father come toward him. Araman rose in respectful greeting, but Draman stood sternly still, pointing one finger toward the mass of small trunks that formed the giant trunk of the Waringen tree. Like the Waringen tree, I hoped my sons would be, said Draman, countless in number, sturdy, upright, and all joined as one to mine honor. But lo, I have only thee who disgrace me. So saying, he seized Armand, bound him with ropes, and cast him into the river. Father! Father! shrieked the boy, but the stream bore him on and away. Presently, as he floated along, he came upon an alligator and a fish who were lurking in the river. Ah, he cried to the two, swallow me up, for who is there left in the world to care? But the alligator and the fish, after a single glance at the lad, cried, Swallow one such as you? Nay, that will never do. You are destined to do great deeds. We will not swallow, but help you. So they guided him in safely to the bank of the stream where they loosed him from the cords by which he was bound. Stay a moment, said the alligator. I have that in my keeping which has long waited for just such a lad as you. He vanished and soon reappeared with a pair of magic shoes. With these, he said as Armand bound them on his feet, you can walk on the water as easily as on the dry land. So Armand thanked the alligator and the fish for their kindness and stepped out confidently on the water. Making his way down the river, he walked as far as the ocean, and when he saw the boundless blue sea stretching off before him, he must even venture out on that. As he wandered along far from land, enjoying his new accomplishment, he presently saw a vessel. At the same time, he himself was observed by the captain of the ship, who, seeing a boy walking on the surface of the water, could scarcely believe his eyes. As Armand drew nearer, however, the captain invited him aboard and ordered him to be served with the sailor's usual repast, which consisted of rice and salt fish. During the meal, the boy recounted his adventures and sorrows to the captain and the crew. But the captain had noted the magic shoes which Armand was wearing and at once began to think how he could get them for himself. "'What use are those shoes to you, boy?' said he. "'Mark my words, some day when you feel the safest, you'll sink. Give them to me and I will give you my flying cloak. In that you can skim over the water like a swallow or soar up into the clouds.' "'Very well,' said the boy.' Give me the cloak for my shoes. Now the cloak had indeed been given to the captain as a flying cloak. But though he had often wrapped it about him and tried timidly and cautiously to fly, 
he had never been able to lift himself off the ground. So he had concluded the garment was useless and was more than willing to trade it. Yet the moment that Araman stepped confidently forth in it, with never a doubt that he could do just what the captain said, he darted up through the air and soared like a strong-winged bird. Now who would have thought it, mumbled the captain. Then he himself started out wearing the magic shoes. Uncertainly, he walked till a panic of fear overwhelmed him, and he began to sink. The shoes would not bear him up the moment he was afraid. Only because he was an expert swimmer was he able to regain his boat. Very much vexed, he cried out, Cheat! Rogue! You have robbed me of my wonderful cloak! These shoes of yours are useless! Aramon laughed good-naturedly as he hovered about overhead, but the captain went ashore in a small boat and challenged the boy to fight. So Aramon descended to the ground, still without any anger, for he hoped to appease the captain by speaking courteous words. But the captain was now so beside himself that he would not listen to reason. "'Come on, come on!' he cried. I'll soon do for you, you wretch. And he drew his chris and flourished it, and rushed furiously upon the lad. But Aramon, though young, could not be aroused to anger. He fought with such coolness and courage, he soon had the wrathful captain entirely at his mercy. When the man had been brought to his knees and forced to acknowledge that he alone was to blame for the bargain they had made, Aramon flew off heading toward his father's dwelling. He passed over valleys and forests until he came at last into a strange, gloomy country. Under the somber branches of giant trees, numberless caverns yawned. Wondering what could be within such bottomless pits, Aramon looked into one. The mouth of it was so black that it seemed to be the entrance to a region of endless night. But while he stood gazing into it, a figure suddenly appeared, lighting up the recess with a weird red light. As it drew near the lad, the figure seemed to be that of a wrinkled old woman, bearing a queer, ill-favored black bird in one bony hand. Mumbling some strange words, she let the bird fly away. Up into the air, it mounted, circling around overhead and ever and anon it took the form of a man with the face of one in deep sorrow for some evil deed he had done. Before these strange apparitions, the boy stood his ground as firmly as he had before the captain. Then the weird woman began throwing pebbles on the ground. They turned into little headless dwarves that danced and swarmed about, but Aramon extended his arm with a gesture of command, and the grotesque phantoms vanished. Then there appeared in their place a maiden, lovely as dawn, wreathed in flowers and smiling on him. Her, Aramon, would gladly have kept before his eyes. But in another moment she too had faded away, and he was left alone. Slowly he turned to grope his way out of the darkness. His foot slipped on the marshy ground, he stumbled over rocks and stones. But though he knew it not, 
The woman he had thought a witch was a good fairy watching over him. Having satisfied herself that he was a brave and dauntless boy, she dispatched two tigers to walk on either side of him. And by the light of their eyes, which shone like lamps, he was guided out of the jungle. Ahriman now made straight for his father's home, and when he was come as far as the great Waringin tree, when his father had cast him into the stream, he saw Draman himself standing on the spot where he had committed the wicked deed. For the first time, anger surged up in Ahriman's heart. He drew his kris to strike him, but as his father turned his face toward him, lo, there was in his features the same expression of sorrow and regret for what he had done that the strange black bird had revealed to Aramon in the shadowy land of phantoms. Slowly, Aramon dropped his chris. Ah, he cried, if that is how thou art punished in thine own heart, then go and wash thy heart clean in the waters of Zemzem. Aramon forgives thee. I go, my son, cried Draman, and fled from Aramon's presence. Aramon then went on home where he found Ma Qualone in the portico counting over the jewels which Draman had showered upon her. The boy was tempted again just to fall on her with his chris, but recalling once again the strange vision of the bird, he did no more than show himself suddenly before her. Seeing him whom she had wronged thus returned so unexpectedly, Ma Qualone fell prostrate before him. He passed her without a word and went on to find the good Sumar. That night, some unseen force bore Ma Qualone into the forest. There she was chained to a rock, overlooking a pool wherein she saw clearly reflected all her own wicked deeds. For some time, Araman lived on quietly in his home, attended by the faithful Sumar. But the news of his exploits reached the ears of the king of Java, who invited the daring youth to come and live in his palace. There, to his great astonishment, Araman again beheld the lovely maiden of his vision in the forest. She was the daughter of the king, and in time she became his bride. Some years later, Araman himself became the king, and to this day, he is a favorite hero with the people of Java who often recount his adventures in little puppet shows. And that is the end of Araman, a hero of Java. I hope you guys enjoyed it and are looking forward to the Christmas stories I will be bringing you next month. Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane is funded solely through our patrons on Patreon. 
If you enjoy this podcast, please consider going to patreon.com forward slash lantern audio works and becoming a patron for as little as $3 a month. One of the biggest benefits you'll get is early access to all of the podcast episodes. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at Crane underscore author. Link is in the show notes.